Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. The Department of Labor said last week that 4.4 million people left their jobs in September, up from 4.3 million in August. Businesses are struggling to find qualified candidates to fill open roles, and at the moment, this labor shortage doesn't appear to be changing anytime soon. This is an issue Jim Boland, partner in charge at Cohen & Company, wrote about in a recent blog post titled, Three Tactics to Help Fill Core Business Needs in a Tight Environment. While dealing with the labor shortage, we discuss the tactics Jim said businesses can take to ensure their most important needs are being met, covering automation, flexibility, and outsourcing. Here's what Jim had to say about the struggle businesses are facing now when it comes to labor. It's something that we're talking about internally all the time in our firm and all of our clients are dealing with this in, in some aspect. And so, you know, as, as leaders of business, there's all this opportunity in front of us and uh, to not be able to find the people to deliver on that opportunity uh, is really frustrating. I think everybody is, is dealing with it and it can cover, you know, everything from, you know, salespeople to uh, making the products to back office and how you support the operations and everything in between. Uh, you know, there, there aren't really any areas that have been uh, kind of spared the pain here. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a challenge. And it's a challenge because people don't know if it's a, a blip and it's going to get back to normal or if, uh, you know, there is a, a new normal here and you need to get on top of it quickly or else it's going to you know, impact your business long-term. And so that's really what, what generated um, the need for to kind of write about this and start to think about it. Um, yeah. And I love the perspective that you took, um, you know, how businesses can figure out how to, you know, fill these needs, the things that they need to get done with the staff that they have and how to be creative about that, as opposed to, you know, just kind of saying, woe is me. Oh no, what am I going to do? But this is going to give um, clients, businesses, ways to actually achieve the things that they need to achieve working with the staff and the talent that they have now. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm happy to dig into some of those, you know, just some other things that uh, spring to mind as I think about how companies are, are attacking this. Uh, you know, acquisition, you know, a couple of years ago, people were looking at acquisitions to add new product lines or new uh, sales channels or new, enter new geographies. And, you know, today, a lot of the discussion is, can an acquisition help me fill some of this labor shortage that I have? And can we acquire the talent? Uh, so that's one. And the other would be just kind of good old strategic planning. And there's nothing like a labor shortage or material shortage to force business leaders to think about the trade-offs and making hard decisions. And we can't do it all. So what do we really want to focus our time and our people on? Um, and so, you know, didn't cover those specifically in the article, but uh, definitely very relevant for where business is today. 
Of course. And uh, one of the first things you mentioned in the article is process automation, which I think a lot of people are familiar with RPA, robotic process automation, but maybe aren't leveraging it to its full extent. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. Yes. Process automation, uh, you know, not, not long ago, it was really just a focus of large global companies that had you know, hundreds of people in shared service centers uh, entering data or moving data from one system to another uh, or approving purchase orders or other transactional information. And the value proposition was large there because you could automate some of those tasks and the bots were, you know, relatively expensive at the time, but you would pay it back because the amount of time it would take out of the business was, was considerable. What we've seen over the past couple of years is that the price of these bots has dropped considerably. And, you know, they're three real, really good providers in the space. Uh, you can kind of flip a coin and, and choose one and you're going to be pretty, pretty well off. Uh, but you're, you're talking about, you know, ability to get a bot stood up for a few thousand dollars and you're, you're paying the same per year to, for that thing to operate. And you can pair that to uh, hiring people, and especially in this labor market, attracting people, uh, developing them, retaining them, that's a very costly proposition that's getting even more costly. So you replace that with uh, a bit of software that can work 24 by seven, uh, and it's churning through those tasks. It's doing it accurately every time, and the results on the data and the results on the cost to deliver that uh, transaction through your system is uh, significantly lower and higher quality. So we've seen companies really gravitate to this to figure out where their opportunities to deploy it in their organizations, even at a small scale where it's not replacing a person or a group of people, but maybe it's supplementing you know, an accounts payable clerk and in the background, it's running tasks that they don't have to deal with. And they have the manual human intervention to kind of check on exceptions in the process or just monitor it to make sure it's functioning how it's supposed to. But you're not taking hours out of their uh, work week and it allows them to focus on some other tasks. Um, so it's been really exciting for us to think about you know, all the different places that RPA can, can play because the cost to entry is much lower and you can really just kind of start to deploy it one by one in the organization and start to see the benefits. And like you mentioned, Jim, the, the cost is much lower than what it used to be. But I'm curious, do you think enough organizations are taking advantage of process automation and have really thought, you know, this can really be a benefit add to your organization for the reasons that you just mentioned? I, I the knowledge, I think it's still overwhelming for people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's kind of the right to be a little overwhelmed because the idea of a bot, a bot interacting with your system of record that drives your operation and fuels your financials, that that's a scary, scary thought. And if you don't have someone in your organization that can own that and think through all the considerations and risks to the business, yeah, even if the price point is low, 
I wouldn't be making that decision, right? So there is an element of kind of, you gotta understand what you're investing in. And the benefits are clear if you can get it operating that way, but understanding where you're gonna allow that bot to operate in your organization, how you're gonna control the data that it's creating or it has access to, you know, take some thought, it takes some governance. You don't want to just kind of let everybody go set up their own bot to support their, their workflow because, because then all of a sudden you, you've lost control and data is getting generated. It's not being governed and you, you can create a lot, of, a lot of risk in your organization. So, you know, there is an element where uh, it, it takes a little time to step back and figure out how are we going to deploy this on an enterprise scale. And we can start with these small steps, but let's make sure those steps are aligned and fit into kind of a process automation governance model. And your second point that you make in the article is about flexible career paths, which I'm sure a lot more employers are getting used to this idea, especially with the pandemic and hybrid work schedules. Can you tell me more about how this can be a benefit when they're thinking how they can, you know, achieve their goals with the uh, staff that they have? Sure. Yeah. And the point that I wanted to bring up with this section is, you know, different employee benefit vehicles and pay rates, and especially with the pandemic, you know, remote, remote or hybrid work environments, you know, those things are all kind of critical today. They, you need to be thinking about those. The good thing is organizations had already been starting to think about those. What we're trying to do is, is push the bar and say, all right, you know, in every profession, there is kind of a standard employee agreement of how you interact with your colleagues and interact with your work. And whether that's the number of days a week you work um, or, kind of what career path you're on and you expect to go up the corporate ladder and you've got goals and expectations and largely it's the same for everybody. Does it make sense to rethink your complete employee uh, engagement model? And instead of having, you know, let's say three people in accounts payable and that supports the transaction flow you have throughout the month and closing the books, does it make sense instead of trying to find three people that wanna work 40, 50 hours a week, you're going to pay them this much money, maybe uh, org design with five people. And, you know, they're all agreed they want to work somewhere between three to four days a week. And you, you carve up the workload to spread across those people. And now all of a sudden that becomes a differentiator for attracting talent and for keeping people in your organization because you've proactively offered up flexibility of how they want to engage with their work and it you it takes some time to manage that and figure out how that work can be supported and still deliver what the business needs but we're we're seeing some pretty radical changes or at least you know maybe hr had a list of alternate work environment situations uh in the background but bringing that to the forefront and using it in recruiting strategies and using it in your team manager meetings where you're talking to folks about their career and what they want to get out of their 
their life and how does their job play a role in that? And for a lot of employers, I imagine what you just described probably does seem pretty radical for them. What would you say to those who are kind of uncomfortable with that approach, but um, maybe do want to explore it, but it just seems, you know, something that they have never really thought would work? Yeah, so we've seen it uh, work well if you can find a a department where maybe you've got the outline of how you think this is going to work and think how you can still get the department's objectives done with these flexible career paths, but you kind of pilot it with one small group where you know there's uh, a leader that's kind of trusted, that's willing to work and kind of think through some of the process uh, implications of how you're going to manage that team and you see how it works and you um, see how the employees feel about it after the fact and then if you get the buy-in and you see the results and then it's something you can roll out more broadly and you've got that success you can you can highlight that you know allows you to kind of promote it as part of your talent Uh, acquisition and development processes. And of course, a part of this is, you know, you mentioned filling core business needs. And the third point that you make is outsourcing non-core business functions. Can you tell me more about how that would go? Sure. So this kind of builds on that uh, second point, Jessica. So if you're thinking about how the work that needs to get done and you need a different way to attract and have the people to deliver that work, you know, outsourcing becomes a, an option you must consider. So business process outsourcing for, has been around for years and there are specialists that have offshore call centers and, and different type of IT organizations and, uh, that can support you know, your, your business functions that need to either be able to scale when uh, transaction loads increase or work around the clock if you've got a global operation or just have a team of people that's potentially lower cost than hiring and retaining those people internally. So, you know, BPO partners have areas of specialty. And I listed some of them around, you know, the sales and call center supports. And there are things around purchasing and 3PLs for distribution. Um, and what I really wanted to introduce is, you know, most organizations think about the back office functions. And, you know, we, we spend most of our time and everybody listening here in the finance and accounting side of the house. Historically, that's always kind of like been an internally owned business function. And you've got your CFO and controller and different managers of the different finance and accounting domains. um, And they're helping set the course for the business and tracking the variances month to month and understand how the business is, is flowing. What I wanted to introduce here is that there are pieces of that organizational responsibility that even in finance and accounting could be great candidates to outsource and 
leadership even more broadly beyond finance and accounting. You know, if you're a manufacturing company that makes and sells a part, then all of your leadership and intellectual capital should really be focused on how to design and build the best parts and then sell them. Um, and everything else is really a support function and how you deliver that, uh, you know what you need. You need the information to make the right decisions and you need it to be kind of governed and controlled so you can trust the information that's there. And so there are a lot of new options and technology accelerates this of being able to outsource those roles so your team can focus on the core of the business and then recruiting and developing talent for some of these support functions, you push that to someone else. And now you've got a team that can scale or decrease as the, as the work needs it. And is this last point something that you think enough businesses have explored, something that they are really aware of, or do you think this kind of gets overlooked? I, I think it gets overlooked. It's, we're starting to see a lot of this in uh, the, the private equity space or real estate, uh, real estate funds. And you think about those businesses, you know, the, the folks involved in those firms are focused on uh, analyzing investment opportunities, measuring the performance of those portfolios, uh, investor relations, and that's where you want your talent focused on. But rolling up all the numbers and you know, everything from the bookkeeping to the accounting to the financial reporting, you know, all those things are really should be technology driven. You don't need a team of people internally to support that. So we've started to see some, some real acceptance and understanding of that value proposition in those areas. And now, you know, looking at different restaurant groups, manufacturing companies, distribution companies, service companies, I, you know, this is what excites me. I think this is where there's, people aren't thinking about it as an option, um, but the, effort to transition to that model and the benefits it gives the organization and around flexibility and even delivering it for lower costs with with better talent you know it's uh it's a compelling uh business case that i think as people think more about it they might think it's a good fit for their organization and Jim, you've made a lot of great points on how businesses can still make sure they're meeting those core business needs right now, especially when it is a tight labor market. Do you have any advice for those who are struggling right now that um, are just trying to figure out, you know, what's next for their business, especially like you mentioned, it might be like this for a while? Yeah, I mean, my my biggest recommendation, and we just did it the past two days, it's uh, everyone you talk to in your organization is probably feeling the same way. They are completely overwhelmed and running 100 miles an hour to deal with everything that's on their plate. Uh, and that just kind of adds to the stress. And the best thing you can do for your business and for your people is to just find a way to push pause, think about where your organization is today what's changed over the past 
18 months and how does that impact your organization and like how do we eliminate a lot of the noise and focus on a few things that we think are really critical for where our business is going to make it more competitive in the future and that is my you know it, it's hard to do because there's never the right time but if you force yourself to do it you come out of there energized because you've got a, a better perspective on you know where the business is what opportunities are in front of you and alignment on how to go tackle those and you pull yourself out of the uh, kind of just everyday firefighting mode that a lot of people find themselves in. Thank you to Jim for joining us to talk more about options to optimize your business during a tight labor market. So what did you think of the episode? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O, at ohiocpa.com and anything else you'd like to hear on the state of business. And don't forget to follow us wherever you download your podcasts. Thanks for listening.